Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. On today's episode, I have my recap of Luann and Sonia's Welcome to Crappy Lake and the Real Housewives of Orange County. On Crappy Lake, Luann finally got some balls in her mouth, and we got to see Sonia Morgan bounce on some blue balls. And on the Real Housewives of Orange County, these ladies can't seem to discuss anything but Jen's affair and In all honesty, I am over it. But we did get the return that we have been waiting for, or at least I've been waiting for, the return of the OG of the OC, Vicki Gumpelson. So let's get into it. So now we have Luann and Sonia. Welcome to Crappy Lake. This is season one, episode four, The Bells of the Balls. And so Luann and Sonia are preparing for their crappy hour at the Benton Motel parking lot. And Luann and Sonia bought some stuff from the store to spruce up the place. And I honestly would have loved to see them go to a Walmart or a Home Goods or a Hobby Lobby because I know one, if not all three of those places, are within 20 minutes of where they currently are in Benton, Illinois. You At least you know there's a damn Walmart someplace in Benton, Illinois. I know that much. Um, but then... Uh, a nasty moment happens, and the Benton Motel owner or manager, who whoever the hell he is, rips his toenail off his big toe, and there's blood. It's disgusting. I had to turn away from the TV because I can't handle blood. I like a gory situation. Like, I used to love the show Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I watched seasons 1 through 14, and then after 14, I was like, you know, I think it's time for me to say goodbye to the show that I love. But whenever I watched Grey's Anatomy and there was like a surgery scene or like, you know, a medical emergency with like, you know, a broken arm or blood, I would always have to turn away from the TV because I can't handle it and I get nauseous, I get squeamish. But then the crappy hour starts and we meet some guys that are in Benton for the testicle festival where they compete to eat the balls of a cow. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in eating the balls of a cow, but I love them. I love that for those guys. And then Sonia asks the motel manager if he shaves his balls, and then she's like, never mind. Uh, I'll just ask your wife, because, you know, I think Sonia realized in this moment that it's inappropriate to ask a married man uh if he shaves his balls. And so she was like, you know, I'll just find out from your wife. And then Luann and Sonia break the news to the mayor that they aren't getting the playground due to a lumber shortage. Now, I do have to say that I do have a regular daytime job and I do work in the logistics field. Um, And so I have worked to get lumber to a particular store near you. And I have to say that there was a point where there was a lumber shortage. I don't know if there's still a lumber shortage because I'm not trying to build anything but this podcast in my life. Um, But I listen, if you know if there is currently a lumber shortage, let me know because I have no clue, no clue whatsoever. And then we get to the testicle festival and Luann tries out some cowboys and she says it tastes just like chicken. But let's be honest, 
We all know this is not the first time Luann has had a pair of balls in her mouth, and it's certainly not going to be the last. But, you know, at least we know for certain that this is the first pair of cow balls that have been in her mouth. We don't teabag no more. We just dunk it on that hoe. <laughs> Remember that song? I feel like that song came out when I was in, like, the 6th or 7th grade. I feel like all the songs came out when I was in, like, the 6th or 7th grade. And, like, now I'm 31 and I feel old as hell. Um, But Sonya feels bad for Luann because she hasn't gotten laid yet. So she feels like Luann is keen to try some of these balls at the Testicle Festival because those are the only balls that Luann can get at this point. You know, Luann is striking out. And I think it's probably because I feel like Sonia comes off as more attainable and down to earth, even though Luann is like willing to like muck it up and get down and dirty. But like, I feel like people, I feel like guys would find Sonia more attainable because I love me some Sonia. And I, you know, I love, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was about to say, but I love me some Sonia. Morgan. So I get why, you know, her milkshake brings other boys to the yard because they're like, it's better than yours, Luann, <laughs> apparently. And then Luann and Sonya participate in the Undie 300 where they put on a fresh pair of tidy whities and bounced on these blue balls in a race. And of course, Sonya Morgan won because Sonya Morgan has a lot of experience with balls. And then we move on to this royal high tea. And Luann and Sonia arrive at this high tea. And I think this place is owned by that woman, Kristen, who dresses like Kirsten, Kristen. I'm not sure. But she dresses like like a 1950s housewife. Like she's like playing a role in Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie or something. Or the Brady Bunch. I don't know. But yeah, Luann and Sonia arrive and they meet Trey, who I think might be the son of the owner who owns this tea place? They meet Trey, who they recruit for their Benton Follies variety show. And honestly, in this moment, I'm like, Trey, you better bring it in this audition. Because you you can tell he's passionate about his creative arts. And I'm like, this is your chance to make it out of this small town in Benton, Illinois, so you can make it to the big city, New York City, and you can get on Broadway because in NYC just got here this morning. Three bucks, two bags, one me. <laughs> I love Annie. That's like one of my favorite musicals. And I was in that musical when I was in the fourth grade. Barnum Woods Elementary School, East Meadow, New York, Nueva York. So then we move on to Benton Follies audition and Luann and Sonia arrive at the Benton Civic Center for more auditions. And we find out that Luann has gone completely commando and Sonia is wearing dirty underwear. And that's because she said so. I'm not assuming that Sonia said in the in the Silverado pickup truck that she has underwear, but she still needs to wash them. And, you know, I'm a man. I'm not a woman. 
But, like, ladies, let me know, does wearing dirty underwear, like, throw off a pH balance situation or can that lead to, like, a yeast infection? Like, I'm sure it is not good for anyone, man or woman, um, to or non-binary, however you identify. This is a place of acceptance. This is a podcast of not acceptance, of acceptance. Excuse me. But I'm sure it, it's not a sanitary situation to be re-wearing dirty underwear. And I'm going to need Sonia Morgan to find a washing machine and dryer, a local laundry mat to wash your dirty drawers. So then the audition start and there's a contortionist and the man's arm gets dislocated. And I mean, at this point, I feel like I am watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy. First the toenail, now the arm getting dislocated. Like, thank God the show's only 30 minutes. Thank God. Because I'm turned away from the TV twice because I can't handle it. I can watch Luann down some cowboys, but I can't watch a bloody toenail or what, a dislocated arm? So Trey from the high T does a little tap dance, a little one-two step. And honestly, in this moment, I'm like, Trey, this is your moment. And you failed. You failed. Like, the tap dance was nice. It was friendly. It was cute. And he got, you know, he made it through, you know, the first round. I don't know if there are rounds. He made it through the audition. But you should have given us a little doo-wop, a little Broadway number like I so generously did on this podcast episode. I'm sorry, it did not sound great. I have not sang in a musical since the 12th grade, which was 13 years ago. Don't mention it. Please don't mention it, even though I just mentioned it. So, like, you know... These days, I need a little vocal warm-up. I promise you. I've sang many times on this podcast randomly, but I do have a better voice than what you've heard. In NYC, just got here this morning. Three bucks, two bags, one me. Go ask the Gershwins, the Cuffman and Arts. I'm going to stop because I don't want to pay for that song and I don't know how much it costs. But yeah, you know, Trey could have done a little bit more than a one-two step with the tap dance. You know, give us a little doo-wop, doo-wop, pop, pop. But, you know, honestly, maybe Trey's saving it for the Benton Follies variety show. But then Luann has an aha moment, as Oprah Winfrey would say. And Luann realizes that with these auditions, there's a lot of people in this town that are interested in the arts. And I'm like, hell yeah, Luann. A lot of the biggest actors we know are from small towns. And I agree that, you know, it's possible one of these Benton citizens will end up making it big and they'll probably be interviewed and asked, you know, like, what's the first thing you ever did on television they'll they'll be like you know i was featured in an audition on luann and sonia's welcome to crappy lake on bravo you heard it here first (music) 
So now we have The Real Housewives of Orange County. This is season 17, episode 8, titled Backyard Bikini Clash. And so we start off with a little waxing with Emily and Shane. Uh, Shane gets his ear and nose hair waxed, and Emily gets her nose and ass waxed. Now, I'm not sure if Emily has a little booty peach fuzz or if it's like a Build-A-Bear workshop back there. Um, but, you know, good for Emily and Shane for doing like a little couple's waxing. And we also find out that Shane is an ass man. He lo- you know, he likes to grab an ass, smack an ass, and I guess he likes the butt sex. But we didn't really need to know all of that. Um, no shade to any of those people out there that are listening that like a little ruckus in the tuckus. Um, no shade to you. Enjoy your butt sex. But I have to admit that, to me, Shane has come a very long way, a mighty, mighty long way. Um, Because in Emily's first two seasons, I did not like Shane. Not at all. I found him rude, condescending, and disrespectful to Emily. I did not like the way he would speak to her, especially when it came to her weight. And, you know, like I remember that scene where they're at dinner and like, you know, she's eating bread from the bread basket. And she he's like, you know, should you be eating any more bread? And I'm like, no, this man just did not say that on national television. You know, I mean, it's honest and it's their reality, but I did not like Shane in the beginning. But like fast forward four or five seasons, I don't know how long Emily has been on the show at this point. But at this point, I really enjoy seeing Shane on the Real Housewives of Orange County. So then we have a meetup with Jen, Taylor and Shannon. And oh, my gosh. They bring their kids, and I have to say, it's crazy to see Taylor Armstrong's daughter, Kennedy, as a teenager, because the last time we saw Kennedy, she was four years old on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and this just makes me feel old, and it doesn't help that every day when I look in the mirror, when I wake up, I see more and more gray hairs on my beard, like on a daily, like it started off like a couple of months ago with like maybe, you know, one, two, or three gray hairs, but now it's like 15. And I know if you pluck them out, more will grow back. But it's like, damn, I'm only 31. I'm only 31 and the gray hairs are coming, but this is not about me. So then Shannon Bedore arrives. I love, I don't know why I say Shannon Bedore, Shannon Storms Bedore. I just, I love Shannon. I love me some Shannon. She has her moments where, you know, she gets on my nerves, but I love me some Shannon. And the ladies start talking and Jen is asking, why did things go south with her and Tamara? Girl, stop questioning what happened with Tamara and realize that she is not your friend. She has contributed to spreading all your dirty laundry through the streets of OC and on national television. She is using you to maintain her spot on the show. Understand it, digest it, and figure out how you're going to handle it. Period. And honestly, what's there to understand at this point? Stop playing offense and start playing defense. And I don't even know if that made sense because the only sports I watch is pretty much tennis. And so then Taylor Armstrong questions why this lady, Heather Amin, a friend of Tamara, is spilling all this tea on Jen through Tamara. And I'd say it's probably because Heather Amin wants to be on the Real Housewives of Orange County. That's what I think. 
so then we move on to the scene with Heather Dubrow and Tamra, and we find we found out we find out that through Tamra, Jen sent Heather Amin a long text saying that she is the source of all this information and that they should have a talk. And listen, I like Jen. They've been going so hard on Jen. At this point, I'm forced to love her. <laughs> and I think Jen's problem with this show or on this show is that she's too civil. And I get it. It's her first season and she's still learning the lay of the land. But I need Jen to understand that you cannot play patty cake in a lion's den because you will get eaten alive, which she has been getting eaten alive these past eight episodes. But Tamara makes it crystal clear that you do not come after her marriage. But Tamara, you go after everyone else's. You go after their marriage, their career, their relationship. So why is it okay for you to do it, but no one else can do it to you? What makes you exempt? What makes you exempt? And then we move right along to the scene with Gina in the park. It's Gina, her her boyfriend, Travis. They're in the park with Gina's ex-husband, Matt, and his girlfriend, I think... I don't know his girlfriend's name, but she looks like Kelly Dodd, and it's scary because, you know, Kelly Dodd is the spawn of the devil, Satan himself. And honestly, in the scene, it just reconfirms for me that Gina Kirschenheider is confusing the hell out of me this season because... At one point, she says she's not over the trauma she faced in her marriage to Matt, which is understandable. I respect that. I honor her feelings. She's helping him get his felony charges dropped, which is nice on her part. But she's also become besties with his girlfriend. And she has also said that her relationship with Matt is the best that it's ever been. So I'm just a little confused and I'm having a hard time compartmentalizing what Gina says she's dealing with or hasn't dealt with, and what she's telling us she's currently dealing with. I don't know if that made sense. It kind of made sense to me. It's like Gina has one foot in the past and the other in the present. And now I'm triggered by this whole situation. And then we get to Swallow's in what a name of a bar and or restaurant. And Tamara and Emily meet up for drinks. Emily reveals that Heather has shared some things with her about Shannon's relationship that has concerned her. Tamara says in her confessional that uh, she doesn't think that Heather is coming from a place of concern. She believes that Heather was trying to gossip, which may be true because Heather, if Shannon has told you things in confidence about her relationship. Why have you gone to Emily? Why have you gone to Gina? But I honestly believe that it's because Heather does not have any friends. I've mentioned this several times before. Um, But Tamara, are you coming from a place of concern when it comes to Jen? Or are you just trying to keep your orange? Hello, pot. Meat kettle. And I have to say... I didn't know how I felt about Emily on this show in the beginning, but after watching her over the last couple of seasons, I have to say that Emily is masterful at stirring the pot. She asks the right questions. She plant she plants 
the right seeds that leads to conflict. And I find it truly impressive. And then also, Emily got Tamara to agree to not throw her under the bus when Tamara eventually mentions this to Shannon later on in this episode. So Emily gets Tamara to agree not to throw her under the bus, but instead they're going to throw Heather Dubrow under the bus. And this is why I say Heather Dubrow does not have any actual friends in this group on this show. These ladies are throwing Heather under the bus left and right, blaming her for things. Heather, I'm saying this for like the umpteenth time. These girls are not your friends. And if you're going to survive on the show, you're going to need to bring one of your actual fancy friends, the people that you actually hang out with outside of the show, because at this point you are on Gilligan's Island by yourself and the boat is getting further and further away. So then we move on to this pool party. And the first thing I have to ask is why on earth is Shannon putting on tanning lotion in her front yard? Because I know she has a backyard. We've seen it. She has a backyard. No one wants to see if I'm your neighbor and I'm looking out my window, checking my mail, going to my car to get my groceries. And I see my neighbor on the front lawn getting lotioned up to get tan. I'm like... What is she doing? What We don't want to see this. Like, go in your backyard. That's what a freaking backyard is for. And then Tamara arrives to this pool party. And, of course, she brings the one and only Heather Amin with her. Because Tamara is probably hoping that conflict will happen between Heather Amin and Jen. Even though, like, Tamara's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I brought Heather Amin so we all three can have a conversation and become friends Bullshit. Bullshit. Everything Tamara is doing this season just feels like a setup. And it feels overly self-produced. And then Jen and Heather Amin are sitting down, hashing things out, away from all the ladies. And of course, the ladies see all of this going down. And I assume the ladies are following where the cameras are. The cameras are on Heather Amin and Jen. So where do they all go? Over to the conversation, and they insert themselves in. And I'm like, why? Stay out of it. None of this involves any of you. And I'm with Taylor Armstrong. I'm sick of hearing about this relationship. These ladies have run this Jen and Ryan affair storyline into the ground, and I am ready to lay it to rest. Every episode thus far, which has been eight, eight episodes, probably half the season at this point, has been about Jen's affair. And I'm over it. Boring. And then we like, we jump between a scene. This Jen and Ryan therapy scene with the therapist. And she's like, what is this? How is this healing? How's this healing for our relationship? And that's why we only saw 10 seconds of it because it was not worth watching. But then we move on to kind of like the juice of this episode. The Trace Amigas have returned. We finally have them. And we also finally have the return of the OG of the OC, 
Vicky Gumvelson, who at this point needs to be brought back in a full-time capacity. Because, like, Vicky is very good at, like, cutting the shit. And I feel like she would kind of hold Tamara accountable for some of her actions. So the banter between the ladies is, you know, light and fun. Of course, uh, Shannon arrives. And then Tamara does what Tamara does best. When Heather's name comes up, Tamara asks Shannon, do you confide in Heather? And do you feel like she would ever repeat anything you tell her in confidence? And Shannon responds, yes. And then Tamara makes a face and takes a sip of her drink. And then Shannon kind of, Shannon kind of freaks out, which I enjoyed. I hate to, I hate to see Shannon Storm's Bedore upset, but I enjoyed this moment because I love when the fourth wall is broken. So Shannon is like, have you heard things about me? And then Shannon says, don't bring it up. I'm mic'd right now. Shannon gets up from the table. And like I said, she breaks the fourth wall by going to production to let them know that if this scene airs, then her relationship is over. Now, I understand that this is a reality show. And the expectation is that these ladies will show their reality. Reality. Sorry, I'm tired. I am exhausted exhausted but the expectation is that these ladies will show their reality and show up with some authenticity we hope but if i were on a reality show and my friend knew something that could be damaging to my relationship i would expect at the very least a heads up before filming and tamra probably knew that if she told shannon beforehand Shannon might not show up. But at what point does being a reality star and trying to make good television supersede being a good friend? Because in this moment, to me, it feels like there are terms and conditions with their friendship, with the friendship between Shannon and Tamara. And one of those conditions is, you know, I love you, we're friends, but when it comes to the show, I'm going to do what it has to do, even if it involves throwing your relationship under the bus or bringing something up that could hurt you. And if I were Shannon, I'd be pissed at Tamara. To me, it's clear that being on the show is more important to Tamara than their friendship. So I'm going to tell Shannon, watch your back, girl. I know you're on tour, the Trace Amigas tour, with uh, Tamara and Vicky, but like after watching this episode, I don't, I don't even know how Shannon can continue with this tour that they're on. Also, like, what are they actually doing? They're like performing and playing games. I don't know. I'm not trying to knock anyone's bag, but you know, and I know like Shannon's not going to leave whatever Trace Amigas tour that they are currently on. Because, you know, there's money to be made, and I'm sure that they have a contract. But I need Shannon to watch her back when it comes to Tamara. And I need Jen to learn some lessons this season and watch her back when it comes to Tamara. Like, I'm really looking forward to this reunion, even though I've been back and forth on this season. Like, I'm enjoying this season, but I'm also annoyed by the season. 
highly annoyed by this season, and it's honestly due to Tamara's behavior. And for all those people, those Tamara stands out there, I don't have a problem with Tamara. I don't have a problem with Tamara. I think that she is a valuable and dynamic housewife, and I think she is needed on the show, but I've said this in the past that Tamara is doing the most to keep her orange, and I don't think any of this that she is doing is necessary to be on the show. Like, show up as your true authentic, excuse me, show up as your true authentic self. Stop getting wasted either before scene a filming, you know, a group scene or stop getting so wasted when you're filming, actually filming a group scene. Like, I just need Tamara to, like, dial it back four notches. Just dial it back, Tamara. You don't have to do all of this. You are enough. It's getting to the point where I'm starting to sound like a therapist because I'm like, what is she doing? And like, at this point, Jen's Life has become her storyline. And I'm not saying that Tamara has not talked about anything personal, but, you know, the only thing personal that she has talked about really in the first three episodes, maybe first two, is that, you know, the closing of their business cut fitness and then the fact that Tamara's mom is living in their casita. But that's it. What else do you have for us, Tamara? What else? And, like, what else do you have for us, the Real Housewives of Orange County? Because at this point, like, listen, this affair storyline is played out. And I'm sorry to say this. I'm kind of excited to see what's going to happen with this uh, drama with Shannon and her relationship and what Tamara is bringing up. Because I hope that this replaces what we have been watching the last eight Episodes, And I'm also wondering what prompted bringing Vicky Gumvelson back to the show. Like, I'm wondering, did producers realize, like, okay, the storyline with the Jen affair is played out. We need to bring some extra energy in because these ladies are not going to drop it. And they're going to keep on talking about this through the whole season. And that's just not enough. That's not enough. That's not good enough. That's not entertaining. It's annoying. It's irritating. So thank God someone on production was like, you know what? Let's bring back Vicky. Thank the Lord. And that's all the Bravo Tea I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, uh, sharing the podcast with your friends, your family members, your co-workers, your cat, your dog. Thank you. I appreciate it. It is greatly appreciated. I just want you to know that. Um, if you have not already, please subscribe to my podcast. You know, please leave a review, a good review. You know, I would love five stars. It will help boost this podcast. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Bravo T with Jared B. You can follow us on Instagram. Twitter at Bravo T with JB. We are also on threads and also the TikTok. What? What? TikTok on the block. What was that Kesha song? But yes, we are on almost every social media platform with the exception of Facebook. So follow us, slide in my DMs if you have any questions, comments about anything you have heard on this episode or any episode, especially, you know, listen, I want listener feedback. Slide in my DMs, ask some questions, you know, and I'll read them on the show and I'll answer back. 
Wouldn't that be fun? A little question and answer. Um, I love you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And until next time, I will see you, even though we won't see each other. But you'll hear from me next week on Wednesday's episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. Have a good one.